Hey everyone, welcome back. It's John Clark. I'm a licensed therapist and a business coach helping you build a better business without all the overwhelm. And um, I wanted to start by just giving you a really quick rundown of kind of who I am and how I got here. Uh, I think probably good to do from time to time, especially for um, people that are just joining us. <clears throat> um, so I'm first and foremost a therapist. And um, for what it's worth, I was kind of trained psychodynamically um, in my uh, my early days. I went down the path of evidence-based stuff after that, lots of training with CBT. Um, in fact, trained with, with Judy Beck, trained with Aaron Beck as well before he passed, and then um, uh, set up my first practice in San Francisco in um, 2013, mostly focused on CBT for anxiety-related issues. Um, after that, you know, a couple years into it, or maybe a year into it, I realized, hey, I really like this business stuff. And my therapist friends were noticing that I really like this business stuff. And so they started asking me for help. And I would help them for free. And then I would help them for the cost of a beer. And then all of a sudden, I was like, hey, I should charge you, um, you lazy people for my help. Uh, kidding. But uh, but really, um, from there, I held a small free workshop in a public library in San Francisco, the basement of a public library with my friend named Abby. And we taught about business for about an hour. And I loved it. That was kind of the beginning of it all in terms of this business, private practice workshop. And so I've been helping therapists in, in, uh, in different capacities here at private practice workshop um, since then. I, I went on to create a group practice in Charlotte, North Carolina that I eventually sold. I moved back to San Francisco about two years ago. Um, well, I should mention before that I had a, a couple years living in Paris, France, which I uh, adored, and then moved back to San Francisco about two years ago, started my current group practice. It's called Calm Again Counseling. Uh, we're a trauma and EMDR practice, and, uh, and here we are. Um, I, I, I work here, and I run my group practice. Um, years ago when I was in graduate school, uh, in the very first week of school in our intro to clinical mental health per, uh, class, they told us, uh, if you think you can help people and make good money, you're in the wrong place. You should probably go become a dentist or something like that. Ever since that day, I've had a chip on my shoulder. And that's part of why I do this work in trying to help therapists um, uh, see that you can, you can, in fact, help people and do good for the world and make really good money in the, in the process. So that's what we're here to talk about today. Um, today is a, a Q&A, so I'm just going to get right into the questions. If you're here live, go ahead and ask your questions in the chat. Um, I'm probably going to you know, kind of answer the questions as they come in. I'll answer, I'll prioritize the live ones, and then I'm also answering questions from our email list, um, which um, my team member Jenna is putting those in the chat as we speak. Um, so yeah, without further ado, let's just get right into it. Let me just pick an easy one, you know. All right, first question. Um, uh, we have this from, um, maybe it's Sajad, Sahad, asking, what's a comprehensive approach? Oh, he's making me, they're making me work for it. And steps to get a coaching business off the ground and get your first client. I actually love this question because I kind of just answered it. Um, when you know something really well, just start teaching it to whoever wants to learn about it. <clears throat> In many cases, you're going to be teaching that thing for free. That's what I did. I started to learn a lot about business and I would just turn around and teach it. So I started by learning a lot about websites. I would turn around and teach people about websites. And then all of a sudden they're thinking, 
um, they're talking to another therapist friend and thinking, wow, this John guy knows a lot about websites or about Google and about marketing. So I'm going to tell someone else. And then all of a sudden, there's your first client, right? You have served people, you've offered some value, and you have a coaching business, right? You can go from, um, you know, doing this one-to-one to one-to-a-few, meaning a group. So individual and then, you know, group coaching or group consulting. Um, I think the other thing to do to build up a business quickly like this would be to, um, would be to basically... Um, host free workshops like I did. This could be online or in person. Um, so back in the day, you know, before I learned how to do webinars, I would do these in person. And like I did in the public library in San Francisco. And I would say, you know, we're going to teach for free or for very low cost for two hours about business. And you teach and teach and teach and offer enough, as much value as you can. You answer questions just like I'm doing right now. And by the very end of it, you have a pitch. Hey, if you enjoyed this, if this is stuff you want to learn more about, join our eight-week mastermind group. Here's the price. And if you sign up today during this workshop, you get a discount. You get 200 bucks off, whatever it is. And then boom, you have a coaching business. Beyond that, you know, if you really want to build an online business like this one, you have to kind of become a content creation machine. Um uh, I, I'm not saying I always do it great or I'm, I'm perfect at it by any means, but um, <clears throat> I've done pretty darn good at it the past few years in being consistently uh, c creating content. <clears throat> I would suggest that you pick um, no more than two platforms, maybe even just one platform. We started with the podcast and doing a weekly podcast, if not twice a week for, for a very long time. And now we're in the, I don't even know what episode this is right now. This is this is the episode that's coming out this week. It's a hundred and something. It's close to 200, I think. Um, <clears throat> creating content is how you establish your expertise. It's how you create positioning in a market. It's how you develop the know, like, and trust factor. Um, it's how you build a business. In the typical online business um, model, you create what's called a content ecosystem. So your free content, just like this, feeds into your email list. And then you sell products and services to your email list. That's a oversimplified explanation of how online business works and how I have built this coaching business and how I would build a different coaching business. Start making content that leads to your email list, like through a freebie or a free resource or a free video training or even a free call, uh, you know, where they book with you and then um, they end up on your email list. <clears throat> once they end up on your email list, you nurture that lead, you know, so you have automated emails that go out and they nurture that lead. It teaches them, uh, you know, they get emails to learn about who you are, how you got here, offering them value, answering, uh, you know, frequently asked questions, things like that. And then they get lots of content. So the people that join, <clears throat> excuse me, that join our programs, which are primarily individual coaching, our business made human mastermind and our fully booked course, they have been on the email list for maybe a month, maybe 10 months, maybe three years before they join a program. But when they do, they're pre-sold because I have served you guys uh, so much and given you so much value that at some point, psychologically, you have to tip that scale and pay me back. So thanks in advance for um, paying my salary here. <laughs> so there you go. That's my comprehensive approach and steps to get a coaching business off the ground. Great question, and I hope that helped.
All right, next question. Sorry, clearing my throat there. Um, Andrew Connor says, hi, John, would you talk more about why you transitioned more towards CBT after having trained in psychodynamic work? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't talk about my clinical life all that much on here, but um, maybe I should or maybe I will more if you guys are interested. Um, yeah, I was trained very psychodynamically, a lot of interpersonal uh, process work, YALUM. And I, my first gig was in uh, college counseling, basically, in kind of a short-term model. And what I found is that, um, you know, in eight sessions doing psychodynamic work, my clients learned a lot about themselves, had great insight, but didn't necessarily get better and stay better. That's why when someone was having panic attacks, for instance, or had OCD, how are you going to treat OCD with psychodynamic therapy? Um, how are you going to treat panic attacks or social anxiety? Um, certainly there's a way to to do it but when it came to kind of getting people results fast and then helping them stay better <clears throat> i felt like the cbt route was the way to go and i still use a lot of that stuff in my work today and treat you know i do it can do exposure therapy um treat panic attacks in just a couple sessions social anxiety ocd stuff like that um i really like relying on some of those tools I'm also a big fan of ACT, acceptance and commitment therapy. So I, I still just at my core, <clears throat> you know, I'm, I'm psychodynamic and use a lot of interpersonal uh, process comments. But also when I moved out to San Francisco the first time, I, uh, a way to differentiate was being very niche around CBT for anxiety. And that worked quite well for me. So you're kind of growing clinically and you're also learning how to adapt and, um, you know, thrive in a certain market. That's uh, a great question. <clears throat> All right. Um, <clears throat> Sherelle says, how do you figure out how much rent is appropriate to pay for an office space? Everyone is their own boss, so not a group practice. Shared common areas, but individual offices. Okay, so I'm kind of understanding this question as um, you're going to be renting like a suite and then renting it out to other people, which I think is actually a pretty good model and a great way to make some uh, somewhat passive income, not totally passive. There's going to be some work involved, but could be a good way to make money uh, beyond just your sessions. Um, <clears throat> I would think of it this way. If you have a suite and you're leasing out these offices or, or subleasing, um, uh, think about what markup you want to add to it. Is it 15%? Is it 20%? Um, what's the cost of your time? What's the cost of um, you? Maybe you're furnishing these spaces. You're taking on the extra liability of being on the lease, uh, things like that. I want you to make a good, healthy profit. People are benefiting from not having to be on the master lease that you're on or wh whatever it is, um, not having to take that extra liability or furnish the space, et cetera. So um, I would think about what a healthy markup would look like, and then I would I would do that. You also, you know, one of the benefits could be that they have some flexible options like renting by the day or renting one day a week uh, or whatever it might be. And so I, I would kind of think of it that way. <clears throat> I would look a little bit at the market rates, you know, in your area, and then I would charge more than that because, again, it's a it's a flexible kind of co-working service. So the benefit of that flexibility is 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 really good um, and, and really helpful for them. That's worth a lot. So a great question <clears throat> okay okay <clears throat> this is a question i like a lot um 
I've been known to get on soapboxes about, so here goes nothing, but you know what? It's my show. So here we go. The whole thing's a, this whole show's a soapbox, you know, and sometimes a soap opera, you know, so here we go. Um, uh, Danica or Dan- Daniqua asks, um, how can I leverage referral streams when social media isn't working? Well, of course, social media isn't working because we don't teach that here for building a practice. Um, this is one <laughs> for real. This is one of my soapboxes um, that I've always kind of gotten on is um, I don't really think social media is the best way to market a practice. Can you get full? Can you be a TikTok therapist and get clients that way? Absolutely. But I just have no interest in doing that sort of stuff. Um, it's it's just going to be here and gone. Even people on TikTok, they're not there looking for a therapist. They're not on Instagram looking for a therapist. They're not on Facebook looking for their next therapist. Where are they? You guessed it, Google. So I want to be as obsessed with Google as possible. My marketing strategy is very simple. It's it's all things Google, right? It's SEO. It's Google My Business. It's Google Ads. And a little email marketing just to tie it all together and just to support um, you know, that, that strategy. So... I just don't really think social media is a good use of your time as a therapist. In fact, I feel pretty strongly about it. You can bust your tail posting three times a day or doing funny TikTok dances and and maybe get a couple clients that way. But again, those people are there to be entertained, right? You go to Instagram to be entertained or really to numb out and dissociate, you know, and not deal with our lives, <laughs> you know. So I've never been a a believer in it. I've never advocated for it. And I still don't. I'm still just kind of Google obsessed when it comes to marketing a local business. You're a local business, right? Same way. I don't want to, you know, um, uh, like follow a, a, a sandwich place on Instagram or I don't go to Instagram to look for a sandwich place. I go to Google. I read reviews. I look what's near me on the map, et cetera. So <clears throat> develop a really good niche learn how to write good copy or hire someone who can write good copy, have a killer website, invest anywhere between two to five grand in a great website from a, a custom designer, and then learn everything you can about Google in all three of those areas, Google ads, Google my business and SEO. We talk a lot about these on, um, uh, on the show. So, and on this channel, you can learn tons uh, about this stuff. You just need to immerse yourself in it. Great question. And, Hopefully I didn't get too sassy. Okay, another great question about marketing. Alana Wolf says, suggestions for marketing a group practice with a variety of specialties. This is a great question. Um, what tends to happen when you're a generalist group practice and you don't have a really clear identity or a clear niche is you say, okay, we're an anxiety practice. And then someone joins and they say, well, I do anger management work. Can you add that to the website? And you go, sure, cool. We could get some traffic for anger management and yeah, why not? And let's also do couples therapy and play therapy and Gottman and, and EMDR and whatever else. Now there's nothing wrong with that in theory. You have a, a generalist group practice, but what it means is it potentially dilutes the brand and your focus becomes kind of spread out and less effective. Um, you can do it that way. And here's how I would do it. I would have a service page for all those different specialties and I would run ads for all those different specialties. That's how I would do it. So a service page for EMDR and it's forward slash Chicago EMDR therapist. I don't know why I always use Chicago for these examples, but it's some, probably something Freudian. Um, 
you know, uh, couples therapy, Chicago, et cetera. I would have service pages on my site that I am getting trying to get those ranking organically. And then I'm also running Google ads, you know, either to those pages or to some landing pages for those different types of therapy. Again, I don't really recommend this, especially if you are in a, a market that's not a small town, um, <clears throat> because I think generalist group practices are, are harder to market. It's just, you know, you're kind of shooting for everything versus getting, uh, you're fishing in a really big pond, even a big lake versus a smaller pond, but with a really specific uh, type of lead uh, in it, right? Um, people that are looking for EMDR for veterans and your entire practice is that. So it's a smaller amount of leads, but it's more quality leads. You're going to get a lot more people on the hook and it's just a more powerful uh, brand if you can get focused with your group practice and stay focused. And that means your hiring is going to have to line up with this as well. So your hiring is going to have to line up really well with your marketing. We got a bunch of people here live, which is great and, <clears throat> and, and naturally making me more nervous. So here we go. It's funny. I get nervous for, you know, 20 people here live, but then this podcast goes out to, uh, you know, thousands of people at, at a time and I don't get nervous, I think, because it's kind of like a step removed, but now you guys are here and um, watching me squirm. But anyway, I'm, I'm glad you're here um, and I'm enjoying doing this Q&A. You know, it's good to just kind of connect with you guys directly. We usually have guests. A lot of those guests are outside of our industry. So sometimes I'm like, does this person really get therapists? Did they, did they not? Um, it's good just to connect with you all directly and see what questions are on your minds. Speaking of which, we've got a question on Abby's mind. Abby says, I'm in a two-year MSW program with the goal of having my own private practice. That's great. How soon after graduating should I start planning my practice versus just focusing on gaining work experience? I, yeah, I love this question. And the short answer is you should start focusing on your private practice right now. Um, right now. I wouldn't even wait till after graduating. And you know what? You're focusing on your private practice right now by being on this Q&A and asking questions, right? And coming and talking with a business consultant and learning about the business side. You're going to get a major head start and you're going to hit the ground running the sooner you can start on this stuff. There's also plenty of things you can do while you're in graduate school. I see people do this all the time and I recommend it. So let's say you create a brand and it's abbatherapy.com or whatever. Make it a generic brand, right? lotusflowercounseling.com. I'm sure that's taken and it might not even be a good one, but you know what I mean. You could create something like that <clears throat> and you say, that website is going to be a blog for now, right? Therapywithabby.com, which might be available. And then you're going to write a blog every single week. And guess what? You're already writing your tail off every single week in class, learning about um, uh, you know, clinical work. So why not use that stuff and repurpose your own papers and, and ideas and writings into a blog, right? Get some SEO going, learn how, how to build a Squarespace site, learn how to, you know, work with the designer to get a logo, write some copy, develop that blog, you know, for the next two years. And then when you're ready to hit the ground running, you know, get that thing ranking for the town that you're in and start building your practice. That's what I would do. And that's what I wish I had done, you know, but, but, but if, if nothing else, you're here and you're learning and that is a way of starting on your practice. Yeah. Great question. Okay. Um, uh, grandmother's garden asks, um, <laughs> 
It's an interesting name. It sounds like it, it could be an indie rock band or it actually could be grand, Grandma's Garden. Um, this person says, I use ERP, CBT, and ACT for OCD and anxiety. Doesn't ERP require special releases? Are there any other liability I need if I go private? Um, I, you know, I, I'm not a, a, an attorney. I think you should ask your liability insurance or your your board or your, you know, if you have a licensing organization, ask them. But um, I, I don't think it needs an extra release. Um, I, I think that you can add it in your informed consent that exposure and response prevention is a type of therapy that I sometimes do. Um, it can be distressing. You might have homework, uh, et cetera. Um, sometimes things things get worse before they get better, et cetera, et cetera. So I think you could develop a separate release for it if you want, if you really want to be clear and have people like sign up for that service separately. But otherwise, I think it's part of therapy. All right, group practice question from uh, uh, Mike. Mike asks, on average, what do you consider a good retention rate for therapists in your practice in regards to how many times their clients return to see them in session? It, it's a great question. I think our average session uh, uh, number of sessions is between eight to 10 sessions, which I think is pretty common. Um, that being said, there's a lot of numbers that are outliers there. When you have a full-time clinician, you're going to have... Um, you're going to have therapists that retain clients really well, and you'll just know you'll be able to see it. Um, you will also have clients, uh, clinicians, sorry, who have a really hard time retaining, and you give them clients, and they just kind of run through them uh, quickly. So, for you, I would want to focus on what's the average session rate for my practice or average retention rate for my practice. And then I would want to measure people to that and hold them to that. So you figure out what is the gold standard here. And then I measure people or hold people to that. That's what I would do. It Because it, it, it depends on so many things like insurance or your fees or um, the type of therapy you do, stuff like that. So it's hard to just throw out a number. Mike also says, if you have a therapist underperforming on average, how would you attempt to help the therapist working for you retain a better retain clients? I would go into coaching mode and I would say, listen, this is the benchmark that we try to hold everyone to in the practice. This is where you are. Let's let's brainstorm what's getting in the way. What do you think is getting in the way? I, I would bet it has a lot to do with how the clinician sets or doesn't set expectations when the client starts and isn't really guiding the process. So the client shows up and they're just like, yeah, I'm just here and I just talked about myself and then I went home versus the therapist doing a really good assessment and evaluation of where this client's at, what they need, how often do I need to come here, how long are the sessions, um, what are we going to do in session, maybe adding more structure there, checking progress along the way, asking the client, hey, how do you think this is going? Are you getting what you need? Let's revisit your original goals. The therapist needs to believe in themselves ultimately in order for good therapy to happen and for clients to stay. So it's usually a confidence thing. Yeah, so I would go into coaching mode and see if you can help them get there. If it becomes a performance issue, you know, then you get into, well, how am I going to kind of measure this person and and uh, uh, re-measure them? Or how am I going to, you know, put in like a performance improvement plan and say, if we don't, I've, I've intervened, if we don't get your numbers here, then, you know, we're not going to, um, uh, we're not going to be able to work together anymore or whatever. The fun stuff. Um, all right. Randall says, um, what's the most effective way 
um, to approach doctors, specialists, and psychiatrists to establish a referral network. Y- you know, um, another soapbox is I've never been huge on networking in part because I don't like not controlling things, which I'm sure says a lot about me. I don't like not being in control of my 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 marketing networks, my marketing channels, right? Um, <clears throat> that being said, if I am going to create relationships with people, here's how I do it. And we did this couple years ago when I was just starting this practice, I reached out to like 20 school counselors and I asked them, how can I help serve your program in your school? Is it coming in and doing an in-service about anxiety or eating disorders or substance abuse among teens or whatever it is? I don't come in and just say, hey, we're down the street. We'd love to take your referrals. Send us your clients. You know, Send us clients so that we can make money. Um, I think that's how a lot of people approach it or they just send a fruit basket and hope that you know y- you start getting you know, making a hundred K a year because of this referral source. Um, so I think you have to serve first. That's just, that's always been my approach. How can I be helpful to this person? And then the clients will come. Uh, it's implied once you do that, you know, once you serve them and help them and and really wow them, they're going to, um, you know, it, that relationship is just going to build naturally and they're going to send people to you naturally. So it's kind of a backdoor, you know, approach to, 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 to networking, if you want to call it that. That's it's a great question. Okay, let me browse through and see if I have other questions. You know, I'll probably do another five minutes or so of questions before I sign off. And um, uh, let's see which ones I miss. I probably won't get to all of them. But again, if you're here live, go ahead and ask your questions in the chat and I'm going to prioritize those. And thank you guys again for for being here. Um, Okay, this is another uh, newbie question. Halisha says, uh, what advice do you have for a newly licensed therapist who's starting their own practice? How to maximize earnings to ensure stability and longevity? Um, I would say just to go slow and allow yourself to be new at this. Allow yourself to learn business from the ground up. Immerse yourself in business. Read every business book you can. Um, in our other um, uh, videos here, we have a list of some of my favorite business books. Um, I would I would go as far as you can with stuff like that and just make yourself, again, the same way you made yourself a student of therapy, make yourself a student of, um, uh, of business. That's really how I would do it. And be curious, be open, be willing to make mistakes. Learn about all the different areas of business. So one would be finance. Learn about finance, right? Learn about basic financial literacy, which we've done content on in this show. Um, uh, terms like profit and loss, cash flow, cash flow projection, budgeting, um, uh, net profit, things like that. Um, just get get the vocabulary under your belt. Learn about marketing. Learn about developing a niche. Learn about basic copywriting skills, uh, website design, traffic, um, things like this. Um, that, that's what I would do. And that's what I did for the first few years. I just consumed business content like it was my job because guess what? It, it is, it is our job, right? As business owners to be responsible and inform business owners as, as best we can. So if you have a solid base and you know how a business is built from the ground up, just like knowing how a house is built from the ground up, you're going to know how to build it and how it's built and how to maintain it and also how to adapt as things change and shift and you hit bumps in the road in your business. So there you go. A couple more and they're, they're, they're really rolling in now. 
Um, <laughs> so what happens when I say I'm about to leave? Okay. Um, uh, Deb says, Deb, it's great, great to hear from you. Um, Deb says, when you say a blog weekly, is that just writing an article on your blog page uh, on your website, or do you need to tie it to some service? That's a great question, actually. Um, you should blog at a consistency that you can commit to. So if that's once a month and you can do it every single month, then, then start there. If it's twice a month, then do that and do it consistently. It also comes down to whether or not you need the clients and what kind of marketing you already have working for you. You might already have great standings with Google. You might have a Google My Business listing that's in that top three. You might have a full practice, so you don't need to push so hard and blog every week. Now, should the blog topic tie into a, a service? Um, uh, in general, yeah. If you're a trauma therapist, write blog content about trauma therapy and use keywords like trauma therapy San Francisco in your blog post. Um, that's, a, that's a great way to add fuel to your SEO fire. So um, it doesn't mean that every single blog post needs to be keyword driven, but I would say um, three out of four of your blog posts should be keyword driven. And then maybe one is more of like a, uh, an opinion piece of sorts or writing about something that isn't, you know, tied to a service or kind of keyword heavy. So there is some creativity involved in all this. Google just wants to see content that's it's informative, which often means keyword rich or keyword driven, but also, you know, it's creative and it's engaging. So sometimes just engaging content really goes a long way with your SEO. Yeah, these are, <clears throat> these are again, all, all great questions. Um, Take maybe one or two more before I go, um, I don't know, eat pretzels and lay on the couch like I was doing right before this. Let's just take a look at what's coming up ahead. Um, one thing I will plug really quick is if you're wanting help with any of this or you're not sure where to go or where to start, um, we I offer a, 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 an initial consultation session, basically a 30-minute coaching session with me individually for $199. That's for people that have never worked with me before. So if you've never done anything with me before or never done coaching with me before, you can go and book that on our homepage at privatepracticeworkshop.com. That's a great way to get lots of help in a, in a focused session with me. And then from there, I can also point you in the right, right direction, whether it's doing a monthly coaching package with me or uh, joining our Business Made Human Mastermind or joining Fully Booked if your biggest problem is getting clients consistently. So, yeah. <clears throat> um, that being said, also, we are here again live next week um same time same place that's tuesday three pacific six eastern with um uh, another guest and so we're we're really looking forward to uh having him we're going to have jeff fulkerson who's a founder of um a uh, a website company so we're going to be talking about digital marketing again the impact of having a great website um and uh, yeah, all things digital marketing next week with a, a guest. So we'll be here live. Um, if you, you know, if you want to um, submit questions, you'll get an email from us next week prompting you to submit your questions for me and Jeff. So um, definitely stay tuned for for that opportunity. Um, <clears throat> okay, last question um, from my favorite username, Grandmother's Garden: Is there a downside to working from home? I'm looking at adding a fairly large room as a therapy room and office. Um, I can't see any downsides, right? Both in terms of lifestyle and not having a commute, in terms of um, wrapping that cost 
into your 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 um, your business expenses, right? Writing off a portion of your home, like my home office here, um, as well as your utilities, your internet, things like that, or at least a portion of it. Um, there's lots of benefits to that. You're building equity into your home, you know, and so that's another reason to to do it as well and, and build that home office. Um, yeah, I think especially if it's an addition, that's something that both adds value to your home and the the, the, the resale value of your home. And also rather than paying a thousand bucks a month for, a, you know, renting an office down the street, you're basically, you know, um, putting that money into the equity of your home and you'll, you'll see it again someday. So, um, and then there's again, the life, <clears throat> the lifestyle benefits of it as well. So I think that's, that's, um, uh, significant. So, um, <clears throat> that's what I've got for you guys today. I really, I hope this was helpful. I think it was, we got a really healthy amount of questions and I appreciate it a lot. Um, you know, if, um, if you're interested in asking more questions again, we'll be here next week. I'll do more solo episodes like this down the road. If you're listening just on the podcast, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Go to YouTube and just type in private practice workshop. Click subscribe and you'll um, uh, you'll see when this stuff is coming up again. So again, um, and if you're interested in working together, head to privatepracticeworkshop.com. You can book that one ninety nine uh, consultation on the homepage if you're if you're interested in getting some some help or just kickstarting you know where you're at or helping you get unstuck. So there you have it. I, I hope this was helpful. Thanks again for being here, and I look forward to um, seeing you guys in one week. Thanks again. Take care of yourselves. Cheers.